1: welcome back folks here on big blue view i am joe DeLeon joined by chris Plum and nick filato today's episode is our first of the meet the prospect series as we are going to be introducing you to the various 2021 nfl draft selections by the new york giants today's episode is going to be the giants first round selection at pick 20 That being Kadarius Toney, the wide receiver out of Florida. We're going to fill you in on his strengths, his weaknesses, his potential impact in 2021, as well as what his ceiling and his floor will be as a player in the NFL. Before we get to that, folks, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review and head to BigBlueView.com for more fantastic Giants content. So Kadarius Toney, before we start talking about him what we saw in the film, his strengths, I need to highlight who this guy is as a player. Six foot, 193, taller than I expected. I said to you guys before the show, I thought he was shorter than six foot, but he's listed at six foot. 4'4", four, 140-yard four, dash, very fast, 41-inch vertical. You see that explosiveness. And then in 2020, he had a huge step up in terms of his contributions for the Gators offense, 70 receptions. 984 yards and 10 touchdowns that was on a team where the primary target was Kyle Pitts for a lot of games so huge huge contribution for this Gators team and guys if we're rolling into our strengths here for Kadarius Toney it's pretty simple I think that we need to start the conversation by saying this dude is slippery All I saw from this guy is that he is not easy to tackle, and he has absurd body control, which I think makes him so hard to take down.
2: Yeah, he really does. I I think that is probably his greatest strength, and he is an angle breaker. Like He makes guys miss, and he does it with really good contact balance with the ball in his hand, which is something I think we'll get to in a little bit. And just that great burst, you talked about that 41 inch vertical, he can get going in a hurry and he can change gears very, very quickly. So what I saw a lot of was him getting the ball in his hands, uh, bubble screens, quick passes, things like that. And then stepping on the gas and guys who thought they had a good angle on him, all of a sudden didn't. And then he would just get kind of get through the arm tackles. Yeah,
3: absolutely. And you brought up those design touches, Chris, and that's a big part of his game. Jason Garrett really needs to implement those into his offense. But what I think is an underrated part of his game is actually a little bit of nuance with his route running. And there were a lot of plays in 2020, Chris, I know you've dove into the film, Joe, I'm sure you have as well against Alabama, against LSU, where he's used in motion, motioned across the line of scrimmage. Then he sets up, and then the play happens, and he gets to attack the leverage of one poor cornerback. And I swear, he sells outside jab butch so well with his upper body. He just twists, his head moves, and then... All you got to do is cause a slight hesitation with the defensive back, get his hips and his feet aligned in one certain direction. And Kadarius Tony has that lateral quickness, short area agility to just explode and then get vertical. And he did that several times. There's a lot of little nuances to his route running from the one to 10 yards off the line of scrimmage, I would probably say. And I think he may have more of a vertical element to his game than a lot of people really acknowledge in the pre-draft process, especially when you watch how he tracks the football. He makes those over-the-shoulder type of catches. There's a lot of little things about him to love at all three levels of the field, not just
2: on those design touches. One of the things I really noticed is how well he tracks the ball, like he said, over his shoulder, but also in the intermediate part of the field where Kyle Trask has a strong arm as a quarterback, but he could be, uh, well, let's just say a little bit erratic. With his placement of the football, Tony was able to catch, you know, visibly, visually catch that fastball coming off of Tresk's hand and then adjust to the ball in flight. He does a real good job of extending and maximizing that catch radius and plucking the ball out of the air. Uh, It didn't matter if it was out in front of him, behind him, over his head. He would do what he had to to catch the ball if it was at all possible.
1: And sometimes when we see receivers that have this mold that Kadarius Tony has, which is speed and elusiveness, sometimes their hands are don't really play up to that athletic ability. And right now, I think we see that, that Tony has pretty good hands for what he's able to do as a receiver, which is promising to add into this group, that they're not just adding somebody who can't catch the football, but is going to burn everybody that he runs past. The other thing too, and we, we hit on it a, a little bit and I want to go in a little bit more here to wrap up the strengths. I want to talk a little bit more about his route running. His route running is fantastic and I think it, it goes in line with what we're talking about here uh, with, with his elusiveness and his ability to cut on a dime and really, really quickly there were some routes where he completely juked out some people to get open. It's almost like watching a, a basketball player when he's cutting to the basket and he's trying to create separation. He's that type of a player that if he's going against, and he's going to probably line up a lot in the slot, if he's going up against a, a linebacker or a safety. He's very quick, and he's probably going to get open in situations like that. Absolutely. And a couple plays against LSU's number
3: five, where he really had those like two-way goes and sold the outside and then just exploded inside so well. And you could just go through the film. People put it up on YouTube, and you could see just how capable he is with those vertical routes and those releases and just keeping the defensive back guessing. So uh, I'm excited, like I said earlier, about that part of the game. And there's also just the entire running back aspect of Kadarius Tony that I love because he's not just hey let's get him the football into his hands. And then he's just going to kind of run around like a chicken with his head cut off. He actually knows what he's doing. There's a play against Florida. It was a touchdown run to the outside where he gets the football and he starts pressing the line of scrimmage. He forces the safety to shoot down to the B gaps. So he thinks the run's going to be a B gap. It's a zone type of run. So everybody steps play side And he allows that. He plays the cat and mouse game with those linebackers. Those linebackers a little hesitant to scrape over the top or scrape, you know, outside the C gap to kind of execute their assignments out there. And that allows those tackles and those, and I think there was another running back to get out into the flat set up the blocks, and then Kadarius Tony explodes while forcing that safety into the B-gap all the way outside and just follows his blocks and then just dives into the end zone. Insane body control to not get brought down as the pursuit defender hits him. I don't know if you guys know what play I'm referring to, but his vision is, is, is pretty darn good for a wide receiver who gets the football in space. And so that's just another thing we need the Giants to take advantage of.
1: I don't know the specific play, but that's actually a really good point that you bring up that we almost didn't acknowledge here is that he has great vision. And that's something that I feel like is overlooked a ton with receivers. The emphasis is always on okay, how easily does he get open on his routes? Um, You know, how fast is he? How good are his hands? But he is almost like a running back when it comes to his ability to evaluate the area around him, and he was used in a capacity where he was being handed off the ball more often than most receivers, but heck, I think that ability to see and create space and also know where he can find extra space, um, that is what is going to turn him into not only just a receiver, but an offensive weapon, a gadget-type player, and having a guy like that in your receiving core makes you ultimately the more dangerous, and I, I don't know if it was the specific play you were referencing, but there is that one that that play that was circulating as soon as the Giants drafted him was where he had three to four guys closing in on him, and everybody saying like, "Oh, Kadarius Tony scored on this play," where he was surrounded. And you know, in, in situations like that, if you have a guy who can get through a contact like that, that is that is very very dangerous as a receiver. That was South Carolina. That play. That was yes. That was the South Carolina
2: game. Yep. And yeah, I think that's all kind of elements of what made him or why Florida used him in that utility gadget role for three years before they kind of committed to him in a wide receiver role full time, just that last senior year and that versatility to allow him to do that, to line up in the backfield, to go into jet motion, to play out of uh stack and bunch sets or to line up as a slot receiver that lets the offense kind of dictate the matchup he gets. You don't normally see first round wide receivers getting matched up on linebackers or safeties nearly as much as he was. But if you can engineer that, you almost have to take advantage of it.
3: Yeah, man. Another, uh, just because you brought up that South Carolina play, which was insane. I think my favorite play might've been the play against Missouri, which was just a quick screen and stone foresight kind of kicks Bolton out and allows Tony just a little bit of space, but Tony has to go back inside because he's boxed inside. He's a guy bearing down on him. He has Bolton basically just about to hit him in his back and then another four defenders closing in. And somehow he bounces off of Bolton's tackle who like tries to tackle him from behind with with his arm. And then somebody hits him simultaneously and he just spins out of it. And then the thing I love about this, the contact balance is awesome. All of the athletic traits are awesome, but after he gets hit, He looks up, sees two blockers outside of him, and then he flows outside of those blockers and allows those blockers to just pick off all of those pursuit defenders coming from the backside. And he just walks into the end zone. And that's the play, I believe, where you can see a lot of people using it as their thumbnails, where he uh, is in the end zone with his arms extended. And it's just like, that's, that's. I mean, he has unique spatial awareness and unique ability and instincts to just be like, where are my blockers? Where are, the, where are the threats? Where are the defenders? And how can I evade them? He does a really good job doing that.
1: And we can only talk up a prospect so much, but he's not necessarily going to get torn apart here when we discuss these weaknesses, but he does have some weaknesses. And the first one I want to acknowledge before we hit on some others was something that we were talking about before the show is that he is... Uh, he tends to be a little bit quicker than his own good. And Chris, you were you were pointing out earlier that at times he stumbles on his routes a little bit. And Nick and I were saying that we felt it, it was a little bit more of the case that that he is just a little bit too quick for himself and that he sometimes loses balance because he's moving too quickly. But you had some other thoughts on this.
2: Yeah, I, I noticed this a few times in in a few of the games I watched. And I even went back and watched all of his one-on-one matchups at, in during the senior ball practices and there were instances where he would particularly before he got the ball in his hands where he would just kind of lose his feet it'd be in the middle of a route and all of a sudden start stumbling and i started paying as close attention as i could uh slowing video down looking for like different angles the end zone angle on the all 22 tape uh for people who haven't gotten to watch much All-22, usually you get the full field view and then you get a view from the end zone camera. And there was one play in particular against Georgia where it got a real good view of, uh, from the end zone. And it looked to me like he was cutting on the sides of his feet. Uh, we talk, talk a lot about uh, lower body flexibility with edge rushers. And I think everybody's seen like the pictures of Von Miller where his body's at a 45 degree angle to the ground, but his feet are flat. I'm wondering, I'm not saying he had Tony has stiff ankles, but I'm wondering if that might not occasionally be a little bit of why he stumbles because in that Georgia play he was cutting and making guys miss. But even though he was moving quite hard, laterally, his, his lower legs were completely vertical. It was, he was almost bending at the waist as opposed to bending at the ankle and almost pushing off the sides of his foot, almost like a, almost like a hockey skater kind of pushing off and changing direction. So I just have to wonder if that is part of the problem or part of why he can stumble almost randomly because that, is, but like you guys say, he, he does occasionally have instances where he is almost too quick for his own good. And, it almost looks like he tries to do too much, throw too many moves at the defensive back, and then just kind of leaves himself with nowhere to go.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I personally would push back on that, uh, Chris, and I respect your, your opinion, but uh, I don't know, then there are some plays on his film. Like the one in particular, I got the end zone copy of it. It was against LSU in 2020. He goes out into the flat, catches the football, turns around, makes a man miss, and then goes upfield. Into the middle of the field, into the middle of the hashes, and he makes number five miss again. This poor guy, but he makes number five miss coming downhill. And if you like freeze it right when he plants that inside foot, his his leg is like almost horizontal in a ninety degree angle to the ground. Like the 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 bend that he has to to plant and the ability for him to just maintain that low leverage and really sell that he's going upfield. It's It's special. And then he lowers his shoulder, and the the guy just completely whiffs the tackle. It's like, dude, that guy, I would not want to have been number five in the film room. Although he did have a PBU against him later in the game. So he had that that he could hang his hat on.
1: (laughs) So if we had to name some other weaknesses separate from concerns with his ankles, uh, what do you guys think are his glaring holes that he might need to work on, or maybe some things that he can't even really fix that are going to hold him back in the NFL? For me, so he's a six foot, 193 pound receiver. He looks a lot smaller
3: than that. I don't think there's any denying that, but for me, it's going to be in those tightly tight contested catch situations is what I would say. Now he comes up with some acrobatic catch. I believe he has that. If this was Madden, he would have that trait. But I feel like when there are receivers who are somewhat underneath him, he's going to struggle to leap over the top of them because of his frame and kind of secure those catches. He doesn't have overly long arms. I don't believe that is his game and I don't expect it to be. So I don't really necessarily think it's a knock, but if we're going to be realistic about the prospect, that's not going to be how he wins in the NFL, jumping over cornerbacks and winning contested catches a la Kenny Galladay.
2: Yeah, uh, I definitely see that as well. Um, And this is kind of a small one, and it probably won't even figure into much of his role in the offense but blocking. You know, I, he got used as a blocker a fair bit, but I never really saw him block the way I'd like to see a receiver block. I talked about this with uh, Jalen Waddell a few times where, yeah, he's what, 5'11", 180 pounds soaking wet, but he actually laid some key blocks that got yardage for Devonta Smith and Najee Harris. I never really saw that with Kadarius Toney. I I could see him get in defender's way, which for what he is going to do, that's probably enough. But I don't think i want to see him put in a position where he has to make a key block to spring Saquon Barkley or if the Giants decide to run one of those uh, sweep plays with Evan Ingram where Ingram needs him to kick out a defender to get the space to turn up field. Yeah. I don't want to see him put in that position, which is fine. They've got other guys who can do that.
3: Yeah. And I, and I think that's understandable as well. What, what I had on Kadarius Tony before the Giants selected him, I had that he was a willing blocker. I think he's a willing blocker. He's not a receiver prima donna who doesn't want to like go out there and, and throw hands. I think he wants to, he's just not overly effective. And there were a couple of plays on film. And again, this is Not a huge deal where I think he mixed up his blocking assignment where he was going to block down. A guy came down and then he was looking for another player and he wasn't there. And then he was just kind of standing there and like looking around for somebody to block. But the play was blown up by a guy who was unblocked right in his area. So I would imagine that was his assignment. Don't think it's a huge deal. Only saw it, I believe, twice on the film. But it's just something that we should bring it up because I feel like we should be objective about Kadarius Tony.
1: Right, and and that's something when you're talking about a receiver, you do have to mention the blocking, but realistically speaking, he might not be asked to be be blocking a whole lot in this offense next season. We're going to get to talking about his impact for 2021 as well as his ceiling and his floor. But before we do, we're just going to take a really short commercial break.
0: Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is...
1: So this offseason, the Giants made some serious moves to bring in Kenny Galladay. They also signed John Ross. This receiver group looks completely different than what we saw last year, an offense that really struggled to move the ball through the air, and we talked so much about why the Giants needed to add an ex-receiver, a guy like Kenny Galladay. Things are going to be very different in this 2021 season, but we need to project how we think Kadarius Toney is going to fit into the role. How do we think he's going to line up? Because right now, if you just look at – the top three receivers on the roster, it goes Kenny Galladay in no particular order, Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, and Darius Slayton. So the way that Kadarius Toney's role is going to be might not be huge volume, but he could contribute in a way that is impact impactful for an offense that needs to take a huge step forward. So how do you guys see the usage for Kadarius Toney? And do we project that he's going to have a big impact in this first season? Or does he maybe take a little bit of a smaller role than expected and his his touches will increase as time goes on.
3: I think there's going to be a concerted effort to get Kadarius Toney involved in this game. And I I believe a lot of defenses are going to really say first drive, first two drives are going to be really focused on Kenny Galladay, Saquon Barkley. You truck Kadarius Toney out there a little bit more on that third drive, start showing him defensive coordinators are going to start to sweat. But I really hope that we can get Russ Calloway and Freddie Kitchens to really help Jason Garrett maximize Kadarius Toney's skill set. I think you're going to see him. I hope that you're going to see him a lot in motion, on the move, off the line of scrimmage and bunch, off the line of scrimmage and stack, use him as a decoy. That's how you got to properly use him. Get him at least uh, – th- yeah, no, Joe Judge, they're going to go into it and be like, yo, we need to get Kadarius Tony the ball at least five times through the air. Maybe get him the ball in the as a handoff, depending on what the defense is doing and everything because obviously football is a game of chess and you adjust to what the defense is doing if you're an offensive coordinator. But I'm just saying, man, you really need to, to – Not just have him sit on the bench and play, you know, 20% of the snaps. That's not the way you got to use this guy, because if, if only he can be an excellent deceptive piece for the offense, so you can use your other weapons. So for me, man, it's, uh, it's get him involved early. Now it might not happen in like the first, first two games or something like that, but as he gets adjusted to the speed learns, the nomenclature and the terminology, I probably should say of the offense, then that's when you should unleash him a bit more.
2: Yeah. I I have to ask, you know, how much, how much Cardinals tape have the Giants been watching lately? (laughs) Uh, The Cardinals did beat Giants each of the last two years. So that that's usually a good uh, impetus to go back and look and, you know, what did they do? What have they been doing different? And one of the things the Cardinals have been doing is leading the league in four receiver sets. And, you know, if the Giants want to run the ball, getting more little guys out there is actually a pretty darn good way to do it because what is the defense going to do? They are going to trot out their nickel set, their dime set. So you get a bunch of 180-pound corners out there, and then all of a sudden you run the ball and you've got guys 50 pounds smaller and Saquon Barkley trying to tackle him. If the Giants, and this really isn't in their DNA from what we've seen, but if they've been going to school on the Cardinals tape, I could actually see them trotting out Kadarius Toney and Kenny Galladay and Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton in a four-receiver set. And there's a lot of things you could do with that. Now, if they want to go with their kind of standard 11-personnel three-receiver set, I actually could see Kadarius Toney kind of ascending into that, I I don't want to say number three receiver, but more or less taking Darius Slayton's spot in that 11-personnel set, but maybe not as the typical flanker, wide receiver opposite Kenny Galladay, where maybe you do stack him behind Kenny Galladay or have Ingram and Sterling Shepard and Tony out in a bunch set out there. I think, Nick, you're absolutely right. I think they try to scheme him ways to get him the ball while he's getting up to speed in this offense and the NFL in just in general. Get him the ball on sweeps. You can use that for... uh like sequencing plays and getting defenses to look left and all all of a sudden hit them with a right hook or you could get them get them the ball on screen plays or use that vertical aspect that we think really could be there
1: as much as we can we all agree i think that the giants are built now to maybe run some more four receiver sets we need to consider who the man calling the plays is who happens to be one of the most <laughs> vanilla play calling <laughs> offensive coordinators In the NFL, and I'm almost curious to hear, I'm actually very curious to hear from you guys, do we actually trust Jason Garrett to properly use Kadarius Toney, a a guy that has a unique skill set that in his time, as we've talked about for the last 20 minutes, was used not only as a receiver, but as a, a gadget player, someone who they've handed the ball off to. Do we trust Jason Garrett to say, you know, what we're gonna try that? We're gonna try some of this college style stuff. We're gonna look at the Florida playbook. We're gonna look at what the Cardinals are doing, which is air raid. We've got all this speed. Or do we think that he's gonna still go in a two tight end set and he's gonna run, uh, you know, put his receivers out there, run vanilla route combos, and Kadarius Tony gets limited touches as a result of it? What do you guys think? Do we actually trust some progression this year?
3: I hope there's a judge effect like there was for Dave Gettleman, man. Like, a, what is it? A new uh, leopard learn new spots or whatever the heck it is. <laughs> whatever that term is. You know, The old dog I, I hope changes he, spots. Yeah. The old dog changes spots. Old dog learns new tricks. Whatever, whatever um, idiom you want to use or whatever the heck it is. But anyways, I hope that that's the case. And I hope Russ Calloway, Freddie Kitchens, they have an impact on what that offense is going to do i still think they're going to roll out 12 personnel that's what jason garrett does that's what the base run play is that's what this offensive line is built to do that's what they did last year but then you should implement some uh offensive personnel packages of 10 personnel and then do what chris was saying spread them out a little bit you could run saquon barkley really efficiently out of those types of uh those types of um defensive fronts that they're going to have to employ against whenever you maximize the space horizontally on the field i'm not going to say i i'm I'm confident, but I hope Joe judge has a significant influence on what Jason Garrett is going to do along with those other coaches to, to help put guys like a Darius Tony into the best positions to
2: succeed. Yeah, that that's kind of where I'm at. I hope that's what happens. I do think it was encouraging how Jason Garrett adapted to the Giants' circumstances last year. You know, they lost Saquon Barkley, the offensive line, we'll just say took a while to gel, uh, they really couldn't run that air Coriel offense he is known for. So he really switched to something that was a lot more similar to what Pat Shermer ran the year before than I think a lot of people were expecting. There were a lot more one-read, half-field-read half type plays that got the ball out of Daniel Jones or Colt McCoy's hands quickly and you know tried to get two receivers in space so hopefully they will recognize that that worked with the Giants personnel and kind of try to build on that going forward
1: so to wrap up today's show last thing though I want to hit on super quickly is what we think his ceiling and his floor can be as a prospect so Nick let's head to you first what do you think is his absolute best that he can be as a player for this team and then worst-case scenario, what he turns out to be? He'd be so For the
3: best, he'd be so dynamic that he would eat into Sterling Shepard's role. And not only would he be an effective player near the line of scrimmage, but he would reach the potential of being effective at all three levels of the field. So that would be, and while also having really creative packages not, uh, um, near the goal line and on special teams and running the football. And I think his floor would be, he's a slow starter, and it takes him a little bit to kind of crack the lineup. He fumbles the football a little bit, which I think could be an issue because he tries to break so many tackles and really fights for yardage. That is another, I guess you can say weakness, even though it's also a strength of his. So he turns the football over. And I think that could be something that ends up being problematic if he just has that slow start. And then if Jason Garrett can't figure out
2: a way to get the football in his hands. Yeah, I, th- I think that could be his floor, uh, his ceiling. You know, I, I really don't know just because. I'm not quite sure what's going to happen with the coaching situation. If Jason Garrett can, can adapt, you know, I think he could really be that dynamic explosive weapon that teams are always searching for. You know, he really could be a thousand yard, 1200 yard, eight to 10 touchdown a year type player. And if he could give you that, contributions deep down the field or the quick catch and run and then break tackles, break angles and go type production. You know, we talked about doing player com- comparisons and, you know, it's possible. I think that Tony could be the eventual replacement for Sterling Shepard, especially if he continues to struggle to stay healthy uh, Shepherd, Shepard that is. And, you know, maybe Kadarius, Tony winds up being a more athletic version of Victor Cruz where yes, he's a slot receiver, but he can do a bunch of different things. And he's also the type of guy where you get him the ball in his hands and he turns into a running back and he does it with just so much dynamic athleticism that defenses really struggle to contain him on the downside. I, I could see a situation where he becomes basically the giants version of Eric Metcalf or a uh, Devin Hester where, you know, for whatever reason, maybe he just never really gets it going as a receiver, but he's got such good vision and ability with the ball in his hands that he becomes a special teams ace and a game changer in that third phase of the game.
3: Yeah, for for me, uh, just for the player comps, a high end, I think it would be a weird mixture Alvin Kamara and Cole Beasley, to be honest. Something like that. A more athletic Cole Beasley, somebody who has this unique contact balance, but more so the receiving side, obviously, because Kamara is more predominantly a running back. And then the low side, I was thinking someone like a Tavon Austin.
1: All right, folks. That's gonna be it from us on this breakdown of Kadarius Tony. Be sure to stay tuned for the remaining. Breakdowns of every single New York Giants draft pick. Hit. hit that subscribe button, leave us a five star review, and head to bigblueview.com for more Giants news and analysis.